0: savannah i'm alicia and this is burden of proof i stole your intro you did i didn't mean to it's i just okay. blanked it's, an, <laughs> it's not
1: like it's real unique
0: <laughs> hello welcome welcome back i hope you had a great thanksgiving i hope you had some yeah. really good macaroni and cheese because that is the best part of thanksgiving oh for me it's stuffing oh no you're the wrong kind of person no
1: if you got the right stuffing recipe if I, that's not your favorite, you have the wrong recipe.
0: Drew, <laughs> okay, I I can see how that would work. Yeah. It's never going to be my favorite. Mine's simple. It's like stove top, but 10 times better cuz it's homemade. Everything Alicia makes is delicious, so I'm not questioning that.
1: But some people don't like simple stuffing and that's okay, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah. I hope anyway. you got some good Black Friday deals, some Cyber Monday deals. Ooh. I love that places are starting to put things on sale early, but like it's really kind of dumb that they still call it Black Friday. Yeah. Black Friday deals three, in July 3 weeks in <laughs> advance. Yeah.
0: And they're never as good as they used to be. They used to, we used to get some really good Black Friday deals and now it's just all like 20% yeah.
1: off. I can get 20% off any day anyway. I don't care. I stand by the the meme that's going around that like we all have our big screen TVs put groceries on sale. I agree. All right. Well, I don't think we have any other business. Not at this point in time. Welcome everybody. Thanks for listening. If what, you're yeah. new here, a big special welcome. Hello. What you got for us today? So hold on to your butts. Okay. This dude is wild. You are I, <laughs> you are... <laughs> I know I've pumped it. I've pumped it up so much for Savannah. I just I was blown away by this man's stupidity.
0: <laughs> okay. I love it. Let's that gives so, me lots to work with to make fun of him, so we're, yes. that's good And for me. feel
1: free, because this case is different, so there are victims, but no one is dead. I'll, I'll give you that disclaimer. No okay. one is dead. So, woohoo. That's full, great. Full force. Full force. Make fun. It. Nobody's going to be, you know, you're not offending any yeah, of the victims because we spy. always worry
0: about that like we never want it to come off as disrespectful to victims when we're you know being comedic yes in episodes but we it's always at the killer's expense or the criminal's expense. Or just general. Yeah, like raccoons. Like raccoons, The yeah. raccoons went over really well during Adam Sapkowski. <laughs> People loved the
1: raccoon bit. Yeah. So I'm glad. i that- glad because <laughs> at first I was like, maybe that was a mistake.
0: <laughs> I am really glad. <laughs> bringing that, up the raccoons. Because <laughs> now we're going to have like a little raccoon mascot. I've just decided.
1: Oh, nice. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Well, Paul Steven Cruz is a piece of work so like I said hold on to your butts I'm holding all right so Paul Cruz I should specify Paul Steven Cruz okay because I found that recently in the news another Paul Cruz was the CEO of Bluebell Ice Cream and was arrested <gasps> for some other issues basically criminal negligence Ice cream with the ice cream.
0: Stop! Not the bluebell. They make my favorite. Okay, fun fact about Savannah. My favorite dessert of all time is probably the bluebell fudge pop
1: ice pops. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They're those so are good. good. Yeah. What did he do good. to my ice pops? So <laughs> this has nothing to do with anything. But uh, now probably everybody's curious. So apparently, him and the board of the company were informed by quality control employees that this one specific plant had like they had roof leaks and there there was just a lot of yeah. th- issues with the building and it was affecting the quality of the ice cream and they warned them repeatedly and they did nothing to repair <gasps> it they did nothing to you know oh remodel gosh. or prevent it and then there was a listeria recall and like multiple people got sick and yeah it was a whole thing so he got arrested For criminal negligence. And then I believe that they dropped it to like, he didn't actually end up having to serve more jail time. He got released and like paid a fine and like, of course, had to make it right.
0: The CEO, that's how it works. Yes.
1: So, so anyway, this is a different Paul Cruz because that was more in the news more recently. I see. I see. This is a different Paul Cruz. This okay. is Paul S. Cruz or Paul Stephen Cruz. Not Bluebell Stephen. Not, not not Bluebell. Not Bluebell Cruz. Paul Cruz.
0: This is confusing.
1: Yeah. So I, I just wanted to make that clarification. No, I appreciate the
0: little mini episode. <laughs> yeah. So.
1: <laughs> cool. Well, this Paul Stephen Cruz was born into modest means. He was one of seven kids and the son of a pastor who traveled from place to place building churches. Okay. Often, the family lived in one- to two-bedroom homes and barely had the means to feed everyone, let alone enjoy any of life's luxuries. Okay. According to David Cruz, Paul's older brother, their parents viewed their poverty as virtuous. But Paul never bought into that belief. Paul seemed to desire all the comforts money could buy from a young age. Regardless, he went on to study theology in college and followed the typical path into a position as a youth pastor.
0: Yeah, that's not, I mean, if you have, if you like nice things, that's not really the place to be like
1: financially, you know what I'm saying? No, it's not. But side note, can I just say as a person who used to attend church regularly, it's very weird to me that when you go to theology school, theology school? Yeah. Seminal. Seminal. Uh, seminary.
0: Seminole. <laughs> <laughs> We're clearly from Florida. Seminole. <laughs> Sem- that's how, as
1: soon as it came out of my mouth, I was seminary. like, what? that's not right. Seminary school. Seminary school. Whatever the case, it depends on your background. It's so weird to me that so many churches always put young pastors into the youth pastor role. Because like not yeah. everybody's cut out. Like that's a very specific thing. Like you have to like kids a and youth. teenagers go with the youth yeah, yeah and i get it like but anyway that's just a side note so david cruz also recalled that paul left the church for greener pastures as a developer in nebraska okay so there you go i he didn't did. know, i didn't know there was anything to develop in
0: nebraska that's a joke nebraska is a beautiful state Please don't come from me,
1: Nebraska. There's a lot there's a lot of space to develop. Yeah. Well, there Paul really honed in his skill in sales as he pitched to new investors. Okay. And David claims that when the developed company failed, some of the investors took out a contract to have Paul killed. So then he had to flee town. That's intense. Yeah. So clearly he was working with some real swell
0: folks. These are really high quality Nebraskan investors.
1: Something like that. (laughs) So Paul headed to the West Coast where he began working with their older brother John selling mutual funds and insurance. Okay. The brothers were very successful and for the first time Paul got a taste of truly living in the lap of luxury. Expensive cars and traveling was his bag. The man loved cars. Loved them. That's so interesting to me
0: as somebody who does not care about cars at all. Yeah. I I I drive a Kia Soul, so that tells you how much
1: I care about cars. I mean, I think anybody could look at cars and go, Nice. I like that car. Like, the look, the aesthetic, whatever. But, like, this is how I feel about cars, is I could have bought the car that I really liked the most. And instead, I also bought a Kia because it was like $25,000 cheaper. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So that kind of tells you where I am. But in 2001, after 20 years with the company, Paul was fired. (gasps) Villain origin story. (laughs) That's exactly (laughs) what it is. Oh, you have no idea. That's exactly. Yep. So David states that Paul was lost after that and was desperately trying to make ends meet. He eventually moved to Jacksonville, Florida, where he found work as a financial advisor. Once again, he found something he excelled at, but it just wasn't offering the same payout as the mutual funds insurance job did in Washington. Okay, yeah. Nevertheless, Paul gained a client base who trusted him fully. After all, he had been helping them invest successfully. They had no reason not to trust him. So in 2010, when he started Yorkshire Financial Services and labeled himself, quote, a safe money specialist, several of his clients from the previous firm followed him. Paul claimed that this was an independent branch of a company that had been in business for over 30 years and consisted of some of the top traders in the field. He promised his clients that their principal balance would remain safe, hence the safe money specialist title. Mm-hmm. He also told them to expect a 10 to 15% return on their investment. That is a really high promise, my friend. Now, I am not a financial planning expert, but... I have done some research on the matter for myself, and I have heard that the typical return in the long haul is about 10 to 12%. Okay. Like, that's good. And if you stick with it, you can get, you know, if you invest yeah. and then you st- you hold out, you don't, like, panic sell. Yeah. you You can get there. So that part to me wasn't, it was a little, like, the 15 sounded high. Well, and, like, for
0: what we know... Of him now, I'm like, that you're really promising a lot there.
1: Yeah. But here's the thing. I've never heard of any way your principal balance... Yeah, is guaranteed. ...can be guaranteed safe when investing in stocks and bonds. Yeah. It seems to me, if that were the case, literally everyone would be investing even if they had to squeeze pennies out of their budget each month. Like yeah. People of all classes, incomes, all of us yeah, would exactly. be investing. We definitely wouldn't be settling for that 0.001% interest at our measly savings accounts yeah. <laughs> at, our, at our local bank. So I do understand how people fell for it. Yeah, because I mean, one in,
0: hand, in, like, and, you know, he's qualified, he's done it before, blah, blah, blah. Like, I
1: really do yeah. see. And he had worked with them. They had made money yeah. through him. It made sense that mm-hmm. they're like, because they developed a relationship with him when he was with the other company and legitimately doing everything. Mm-hmm. And then he goes off on his own and they trust him. They're not loyal to that company. They become loyal to, to, their, investor. to their advisor. Yeah. On the flip side of that, even if clients were new to him, people will be extremely trusting when it's something they want to believe. Yeah. You know, that's just human nature. And who doesn't want to believe that they can invest in their retirement without risking any of the money yeah, that exactly. they're putting into it? Unfortunately, many of his clients were not wealthy individuals. Oh. So the money that they gave him really meant... A lot. They were average folks who had worked really hard to save all that they had invested with him. Now, Paul's overhead cost for the business was limited because he was running it out of his home. Mm -hmm. But he was getting a bit overwhelmed doing it all by himself. Okay. The business grew when his brother John joined the venture and was now bringing in clients from Oak Harbor, Washington. But it was kind of Paul who was, like, managing everything. Yeah. He would basically pay John, I believe they said he paid John, like, at least $100,000. I don't know if that was per year, if that was per... I The clients often didn't have, like, millions and millions of dollars, so I can't imagine that it was per client. But he basically would pay John a flat rate, and then he handled it from there. Mm-hmm. And that was a lot to manage. So, when Paul met Amy Weatherford, the sister of one of his friends, he saw it as an opportunity. Amy had fallen on hard times financially and was looking for a new place to live. So, Paul invited her and two of her children to move in with him rent free if she would clean the house and kind of fill a personal assistant role for him part time. Okay, I mean, that seems like kind of a fair. Point Like a fair yeah. trade. Amy agreed, believing him to be a good Christian guy and that he genuinely wanted to help. But it didn't take Amy long to notice that Paul was extremely disorganized for a financial planner and that it, he seemed to have a never-ending supply of cash until the end of each month. I will say that the, the
0: unorganized thing I've worked with lots of CPAs and lots of people who work in finance. They tend to kind of be that way. Mm-hmm. It's very weird cuz you think that they would be the opposite, but yeah. they're really not. It's yeah. a, it's a really common thing. Like when we have people come through the office and they're like, "Oh, I'm a CPA." I'm like, "You're not going to know. You're going to like get getting confused, you're going to lose all your paperwork. That's it. we just kind of know that's how it's going to be."
1: Yeah. I used to be the treasurer for a nonprofit preschool. I balanced their books and then mm-hmm. I would work with the CPA to do their taxes and stuff. And his office was just like yeah, stack boxes, like the banker boxes always. and just stacks of papers everywhere. And I'm thinking, how do you keep track? Of I don't of know. But they, of this they're stuff? all
0: like that. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's
1: a big generalization.
0: I don't mean that, but I just mean like most of the people I encounter who work in this
1: area. Yeah have that problem i agree it's kind of a stereotype but there's truth to it
0: yeah and it's a weird thing to me anyway
1: yeah anyway amy thought it was unusual because she expected a financial planner to be on top of stuff stuff people assume yeah Yeah, and and not that they're not
0: on top of their jobs they absolutely are i'm just saying that like well
1: most most of of them yeah (laughs) most of them
0: but it is if you ever go into cpa's office do not be shocked when there's just like
1: wrap everywhere.
0: And that's, a lot that's of if paperwork. they don't have
1: a storage room. If they have a storage Yeah, room, yeah you just don't know. <laughs>
0: you have no idea.
1: That's true. Because we also used to, our firm that we worked for yeah, used to share an office space with a, a financial, financial advisor, advisor and CPA. <laughs> and, and
0: they, they had, had storage space did. that was a disaster. Like full of stuff. But they know where everything is. It's just, you know, anyway. Yeah.
1: So Amy was shocked that Paul had all that money every month. She'd see him spending lots of money, and then by the end of the month, he was all out, and she says that he would then ask her for money to cover certain no. expenses till till the first of the month again. Well, you
0: seem like a really bad person with money then, sir.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So things took an even stranger turn when she happened to walk in the room and see him signing multiple documents with other people's names. Oh, no. When she asked Paul what he was doing, he admitted that he was signing on behalf of his clients. Yeah, but if you're signing on behalf of somebody, you would just sign your name. Amy then asked if he had a power of attorney to do that. And she
0: says his response was,
1: of course I do.
0: Yeah, but then you just sign
1: your name as Power of Attorney 4. Ding, ding, ding. Even though Amy found it unusual, she let it go. I mean, after yeah. all, she had been on hard times, and she wasn't looking to get kicked out. Like, yeah, this was a she pretty... good, good, good gig. Yeah. Like... Within months, Amy was stunned to find Paul spending more than ever. He had bought multiple luxury cars, began dating a stripper who he would shower with expensive gifts, including a $5,000 boob job. And he was not secretive about it at all, which is why she knew. Well, yeah. She she at that point wasn't like going and sneaking to, you know, find information. information. He then invested hundreds of thousands of dollars into a stone company and began turning his middle class home into a high end bachelor pad, ridiculous grill and gaudy water fountain included.
0: <laughs> Savannah's face. <laughs> um, well, I, uh, yeah, I mean, go ahead, do it. I, you know what? Do what you want with your client's money. <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Amy remained silent until a aaron really fucked up. A aaron. She found texts that Paul was sending to her (gasps) 17-year-old daughter. She says that the messages contained bribes in an effort to get her daughter to engage in sexually explicit activities. Death to him. So Amy confronted Paul and told him, quote, they won't find your body parts if you ever make a pass at my kid again. As she should. And you know what? No jury would convict her. That's not true. They would. But I'm just meaning,
0: like... (laughs) I just mean, when I say that, I just mean, like, we're all like, yeah, fair. Yep. (laughs) He's a pedophile.
1: Paul has never denied the allegation, but has not elaborated either. Like, he just, Uh, he kind of evades it. So you're probably thinking, please tell me Amy left and got her kids out of there. By the way that you said that, I'm going to think she doesn't. No. Amy's a real badass. Let me tell you. Okay. That may have been a lot of people's instincts. I think that would have been my instinct. I made my threat, but really, I just need to get out of here. This is a bad situation. But like I said, Amy is too badass for that business. She wanted revenge, and she knew there was something sketchy about Yorkshire Financial Services. I kind of think I would do this too. (laughs) She had one mission and said in her American Greed interview that it was, quote, taking his ass out. I
0: love (laughs) it. I
1: love it. I love it. So Amy proposed to Paul that he hire her part time as an assistant in the business to help catch up and get organized. She says, quote, he was all for it. It was like he trusted me completely. What a fool.
0: Yeah, literally. He's (laughs) such an idiot. Like... What? Why would he think, like, yeah, she's going to be so. After she just loyal. Threatened his life. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, what Amy found was crazy. Bank statements showed that Paul spent every dime that went into the company's account, none of it to investments. What? I'm sorry. I do remember hearing that he had made like two investments early on. Yeah. But that was it. Hmm. The rest of it spent. He was spending as much as four hundred thousand dollars a month.
0: I okay. I like to spend money, right? I love to shop. Thank you, mom, for that, Jean. <laughs> I don't think if you gave me four hundred thousand
1: dollars, I could spend it in a month. No, I. I mean, like you. I mean, people can, but my God. But wh- why? why?
0: And also, you've worked in this industry so long, You, where did you think the money was going to come from if you're not investing it?
1: Right. So that's the idiotic thing, is how do you think you're going to get away with this in the long haul? Because eventually, those people are going to retire, yeah. and they are going to expect a payout. So then to cover your tracks, you'd have to start taking other, other clients' money and start paying. That. And eventually... At some point, it's it's all going to catch up to you. That's the
0: thing about finances. There is a paper trail here. Yes. And like, did he have a botched lobotomy?
1: What was he thinking? I don't know, but this gets like, just brace yourself because it gets worse. (laughs) I braced. (laughs) So as Amy organized, she also made copies of everything. Yeah. Of all of the documentation. So now she has
0: a room full of papers as well.
1: (laughs) She had at least a box. Yeah. And once she believed she had enough, Amy emailed the FBI. And to her surprise, she got a call from Agent Byron Thompson the very next day. All right, Miss Thing, your plan is working. Then, while Paul was on a trip to China, Amy took the entire box of documents to Agent Thompson for review. And it was clear that Yorkshire was a scam but agent thompson was confused about the motive he says it wasn't clear why a successful licensed security broker who legitimately managed clients money for years would suddenly become quote so callous and brazen
0: well i think it's weird too and i also think it's weird that he didn't have his own investments from the times where he was working and had money like
1: I Because mean, he loves to spend it. I was going to say,
0: it's his cars and stuff. Yeah, like because he spent it all. That just doesn't seem very smart. I no. mean, obviously, he's not a very smart man, but no, it's always hard for me to wrap my brain around the fact that some people are just dumb.
1: <laughs> yes. So Paul had known many of his clients for years and even considered some of them friends. And yet he knowingly took all of the money that they had. Agent Thompson flew out to Oak Harbor, Washington, to speak with the victims of John Cruz, and to his dismay, some of them were not easily convinced that they were a victim to fraud. Like, they were like, what are you talking about? He would never do that. John would never lie to us. He told us that this was a perfectly good investment. Then by the fall of 2011... They were able to seize his assets, but Paul refused to talk. Yeah. I mean... Like, if they're seizing your assets, friend, they got something on you.
0: And, like, again, you know enough to know you're not going to
1: get away with it. So you should probably just be like, oh, you have no idea how high he can fly. (laughs) I'm sorry. That is truly... I'm sure you all... Anybody who's not new here... Be prepared. I'm going to say it because that's one of my favorite lines from the office. (laughs) It's a great line. It's a great line. And you have no idea how high I can fly. (laughs) Shortly after they seized his assets, some of the investors came looking for their money. And Paul could no longer put them off. Like he was literally telling one lady, like some things are happening and I'm not sure. And she's like, What do you mean things are happening? And he's like, Well, just you'll you'll see some things are happening. <laughs> Watch the news. Like He's like I can't get you your money right now because <laughs> I don't have it. Yeah. So about a month after dealing with that and people coming to him for their money, Paul finally gives up and called Agent Thompson, stating that he was tired and they both knew he was guilty. Paul turned himself in at the federal building in Jacksonville and signed a written confession in the confession paul stated that the entire thing was like a ponzi scheme and that he was remorseful for lying to clients and having his brother recruit and lie as well shortly after his confession agents learned that paul cruz had recently been arrested and was sitting in a county jail but not for fraud pedophilia Apparently, the pedophilia runs in the family. It turned out that John had another habitual crime, this time that led him to getting arrested for thinking he was meeting a 13-year-old girl for sex. No, when they dug a little deeper, he also had a, a rather extensive record for sex crimes. So the judge sentenced him to a minimum of four years and 10 months in a Washington state prison. Now, the beginning of the following year, 2012, a grand jury indicted both Paul and John on one charge of conspiracy. And I think I got that wrong because two different sources said two different things. So I'm not sure if that was like a combined thing, conspiracy to commit wire fraud, mm-hmm. or if there was a conspiracy charge and then a separate wire fraud charge.
0: I think that's how it normally is. There's there's
1: a separate wire fraud charge. Okay. In a move that has baffled me, they then transported John to Florida and placed him in the same facility as Paul. That's all I have. (laughs) (laughs) Just a deep sigh. (laughs) Once there, John hung himself, but he left no note and never indicated to anyone that he was suicidal. Okay. Are you implying something? Well, I know he wasn't in that prison for his pedophilia, but but we all know that so it's hard to say. But the authorities believe that he hung himself, or that's what they say.
0: Cause of death is listed as hanging. So there you go. Yeah. That's what you get.
1: Uh they believe that it was because he was these guys are older. Like John was sixty five years old. Yeah. And he was already serving the nearly five-year sentence for the pedophilia. And then he was facing up to at least another probably 10 years for the wire fraud. Mm-hmm. So and they're thinking, not, yeah. Prison is not easy on the body. So. No. And so they're thinking he just did it because he figured, hey, I lived my life. And I literally will likely die here or not have much of a life once I get finally yeah. get out even if i'm still alive so yeah well paul was beside himself and regardless of him confessing to the scam that was going to leave john with a much longer prison sentence he certainly wasn't going to admit that it was his fault that john was in that predicament instead paul grew more and more unhinged in the delusion it was all amy weatherford's fault
0: i just it's because it is it's delulu the man is so delulu is so delulu like (laughs) because clearly it's not and like everybody's like really
1: dude well corrections must have picked up on paul's distress because just days after john unalived himself they moved paul to the baker county detention center where Paul was roomed with... um, I'm sorry, not roomed. With roomed with... Like, this is a... College. <laughs> yeah, I'm bunking with this guy. We're going to camp. Yeah. um, He was cellmates with a man named Dre, who he became very chummy with. Not chummy. Yeah, and Dre was in for drug charges. So he, you know, really seemed to have the street cred. Okay. As the agents like to say. <laughs> Anyway, it wasn't long before Paul asked Dre if he could connect him with someone on the outside who could take care of a couple jobs for him. And it's so, like, I can't stress this enough. It's so crazy to me that somebody who has committed especially that level of fraud and who has lied to so many people is so trusting. He's so trusting of all of these people, of Amy. Now of this dude that he just got put in a cell with like he's just hey, can you hook me up like
0: it it, it is baffling because again, I, I just can't get over how like just generally stupid he is <laughs> and how he just never invested any of his own money. I'll just use theirs. It'll be fine. Oh, well, it wasn't fine. Well, Here I am. Let me just have a hit. Let me just put everything on her.
1: He's about to get stupider. I know. Did he go to Jupiter to like, get Mars you know, Jupiter? Uh, apparently. Because th- this is, I can barely talk. Oh, my gosh. That's why I keep stammering <laughs> for my words. He's
0: going to blame a raccoon,
1: isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Everything but. like, Yeah. just Yeah. We'll get there. Like I said, first, Amy, he trusted Amy, who betrayed him. And then he gets put in a cell with Dre, and he's just like right out of the gate. Hey, man, help me commit more crimes. Yeah. So, Paul, if you're listening, you're not very good at doing the crimes. You need to stop. <laughs> Nevertheless, here we are. So, on September 4th, 2012, while Paul is still awaiting trial, Dre makes a call to a man named John O'Leary. And once John picks up, handed the phone to Paul he's apparently also very trusting that the correction authorities are not actually listening to those recorded I calls. was just
0: about to say what is r- and we've talked about this before I think <laughs> yeah. people are so ridiculous they're just like talking over these phones like there's not th- like somebody is listening to you yes
1: and he was so quick to bypass small talk and get straight to the point I need you to kill <laughs> So the conversation went like this. A reminder, of course, John the brother is dead for the sake of not mixing up John's. Yeah. In case somebody forgets. That's true. I'm going to just call uh, Hitman O'Leary, okay OK. I'm going to use his last name. So the conversation. No, no, you
0: have to call him Hitman O'Leary. Hitman O'Leary. OK, I'll do that.
1: The conversation went like this. Paul, I'm a friend of Dre's. I asked him to, you know, Get me a couple enforcers to do a couple jobs. So he gave me you. Hitman O'Leary. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Paul. And so the, uh, I'm going to court tomorrow and Amy Weatherford is the star witness to the case. And if there's no Amy Weatherford, there's no case. Hitman O'Leary. I understand. Of course, there was more to it, but that's like generally- yeah the gist of that first conversation
0: also did he say he's going to court tomorrow
1: yes for the initial okay i was like he wasn't the trial (laughs) the trial wasn't starting yet okay
0: i was like he wants a hit and he needs it now like like right my emergency is now your emergency drop what you're doing like put down the body
1: (laughs) (laughs) whoever you're working for right Right now, now
0: not as important as me set it aside don't worry i have lots of my clients money to pay you
1: Except I don't because my assets have been seized. Yeah. So, and we're going to get into that too. Okay. So, about a week later, Paul talks to O'Leary again, but this time his list of requests grew. Hitman O'Leary, still in. Paul, yeah, I've got three jobs. That's worth a hundred grand to you, man. Hitman O'Leary, I'm on, man. This is game on, buddy. I mean, it's on like Donkey Kong. So are you quoting or are you just me- I'm quoting? <laughs> this is an actual like you can go and listen to the recordings. I just didn't want to play wait, the recordings because there's obviously I picked out what I thought was most important from the conversation. Yeah, they're long and yeah. whatever.
0: I w- would just like to say that if I was ever going to hire a hitman, I would want one that says it's on like Donkey Kong <laughs> because the man is legit. He's ready. Hitman earlier said it's on like Donkey Kong.
1: <laughs> all right? So Paul says, all right. Now, you're probably thinking three jobs. Though Amy was the priority, Paul had also decided he wanted two of his former business associates killed as well. Because they supposedly stole money from him. Oh, they stole money from you? Mm-hmm. Okay. So the conversation continued as follows. Hitman O'Leary, now let me ask you this. You want all three dealt with the same way? Oh, yeah, because I'm stupid.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Make them all identical. In I- fact, bury identical. them together. Yeah. Leave a note for the cops that says, all these people are connected through. Paul, yep.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hitman O'Leary, okay, you sure now? Paul, yep, I'm positive. (laughs) O'Leary, because once we get the green light, it's on. So, Paul, yep. (laughs) Hitman O'Leary, so when, what's the time frame you're looking at? Paul, as soon as we can move on it. The two men then start speaking in code. Code. <laughs> they created the cleverest of phrases, such as calling each murder digging a hole.
0: <laughs> I, I I I I there's too many jokes.
1: <laughs> so the conversation continued. Paul, we got to concentrate 110% on the first hole.
0: That's what she said. Oh, my gosh. Uh, This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Uh, You could have made the code juggling. We have to concentrate 110% on making sure the juggling gets done. You could have said anything. Eating edamame. (laughs) (laughs) You could have said we have to concentrate 110% on eating that edamame. (laughs) Digging a
1: hole. O'Leary says, yeah, okay, that's no problem. Paul, if I can't get my ass out of jail, you know, I can't accomplish anything. Shortly after that conversation, O'Leary sent one of his associates, a big tough looking guy named Richie, to visit Paul in person. Once again, they're being recorded because visitors only get to see inmates through a video phone system. Yeah. Still, Paul goes into detail about what he wants done to Amy Weatherford. So it went like this. Paul, I need two things from hole number one. I got to have a confession that is signed and notarized. All right? A notarized
0: (laughs) confession?
1: It gets better. A notarized.
0: Hi, ma'am. Can you notarize this for me? What is it? It's my confession. (laughs) It gets better. I'm a notary and I'd be like. Okay, twenty dollars, please. <laughs> please. I can't. I'm charging you double because you're going to jail.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna charge you double and then call the cops. This usually, yeah, yeah. He says in that confession, she's to uh say that there was no conspiracy between my brother John and I to take my investors' money. Richie, all right, Paul, two. She's to admit that she put a scheme together and have her make out a suicide note. Richie, okay. Paul, and in that suicide note, just say that she's had a come to Jesus meeting and can't handle the shame of what she's done. And so she's going to take her own life. Richie, okay, easy enough. Paul, now we're going through all of this effort to get me out of here. Richie, right? Paul, if it doesn't happen, then I'm going to give you a hold number four to go after Mark Devereaux. Richie, okay. Paul, but I'm hoping that this will take care of it. Richie, sounds like it will. Now, you're probably wondering, who's Mark Devereaux?
0: I am, but I'm also wondering why he
1: said, um, it's gone. Why he said that he's try- how he thinks he's gonna like no, she's gonna make was- a confession that she was responsible for oh, all the Oh no oh, no
0: no no Why did he say have to come to Jesus meeting? That's not the yes. phrase. That's yes. not it. That's yes. not it. It's have to come to Jesus moment and I'm yes. sitting here going, that's No, that's not said right. meeting.
1: Like she, well, she sat where down did with they meet? at the Starbucks. <laughs>
0: Starbucks. They're sitting at the, the twelve like the twelve disciples dinner table,
1: like <laughs> Hello, Jesus. I have a lot of shame. I've come to meet with you today <laughs> <laughs> to discuss my guilty feelings yeah. over someone else's fraud. He's
0: so stupid.
1: It gets better. And yes, who
0: is Mark who is Mark? I'm I do so, care, but like that was really bothering me. So
1: this is the extent like he just gets more and more unhinged. So Mark Devereaux was the prosecuting attorney on Paul's case. <laughs> He's gonna ask them to kill the prosecutor. Yes. Yes, he says, if you can't get rid of the star witness, like you need to go after the prosecutor as if there aren't other prosecuting attorneys. They're just going to get a different prosecutor. (laughs) Okay.
0: He doesn't know. We don't even need to
1: make jokes on this case. No,
0: we just need to repeat what he's doing louder Yes, (laughs) to be funny. Yes,
1: that's it. So needless to say, Paul's willingness to do anything to get out of this was escalating quickly. There was just one thing holding him back. Money. I was going to say, he doesn't have any money. We've said it before. I'll say it again. There are no pro bono hitmen.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And hitmen are expensive.
1: So. I already thought that $100,000 for three people was low. Oh, yeah. Um. So, you know, what does a lying, cheating con man do when they have a dilemma? They lie some more. So Paul told O'Leary that he will actually get paid by the holes, if you will. He's telling him, you're going to get paid, not for me. The people you're going to kill are going to pay you.
0: Um, I just have some <laughs> logistic questions about that.
1: Yeah, I'm about to address that. He gave him dollar figures that each person was worth and told O'Leary that he would need to take each of them to their bank and have them withdraw those amounts before digging their holes. Um, <laughs> um I don't think that this is
0: how hitmen work.
1: This isn't like a build-your-own-adventure. <laughs> True. But then Paul lays out that he trusts O'Leary to keep a portion as payment and pass the rest to him when he gets out of prison. <laughs> oh, my God!
0: Uh, what in the hell is wrong with this guy? <laughs> he must have been dropped on the head. Like I don't understand.
1: What? So, as we said, men are not pro bono. They do require a hefty payment. And at the very least... You're going to have to pony up something before they'll actually dig the holes. Like, you got to give a down payment, right? No, I don't think that's how hitmen work, but I don't know. Well, Paul apparently believed that that's how they worked. Because him being the genius that he is, he's thinking, this is not a problem. You need a down payment? And then he called his brother David and requested $10,000. And when David said, uh, no, <laughs> he then tried to demand it, claiming that David owed him the money. But here's the thing. Paul, once again, showed his ass as he had told David the whole plan. He didn't just say, like, I need $10,000 to, you know, for my legal fees or, oh you know, he told him, I need $10,000 because $10, I'm going to hire a to to go kill the star witness in my trial. And David's
0: like, uh, I'm just going to call the prosecutor and yeah, tell them. Exactly. I- so
1: David's like, "Uh, no. no, I don't owe you anything. And even if I did, I'm not going to give it to you to kill somebody, you nut job. So according to David, that was the last time he ever spoke to Paul.
0: Yeah, he's going to go kill two birds with one stone. He's going to keep himself from getting, you know, killed by a hitman. Ain't is going to save himself $10,000 by making one phone call. Yes.
1: So Paul went on to have yet another conversation with O'Leary where he told him that David would not willingly give them the money, so they would need to go force him. That's
0: not what hitmen are for. I'm going to I'm gonna, that's not in their job description. It's unfair yeah. for you to be giving them duties outside of their compensation <laughs> range, my dude. If I was that yeah. hitman, I'd be like, uh, I'm terminating our contract. <laughs> like, so This is outside of my my
1: bandwidth. These yeah. Days. But O'Leary's like, yeah, like even kill him. And because Paul's like, you yeah. might have to kill my brother. Now, remember, this all started because of the death of his other brother. But yeah. this brother is apparently dispensable. Yeah. Like, this brother doesn't this, matter. Like, go off. Um, And, and O'Leary's like, um, and this you're, is a lot. you're good with this. Paul said, I'm good with it. So O'Leary informed Paul there may be a problem with that, though, because he did talk to David, who said, quote, look, I don't have $10,000. If you guys want to come and beat me up and kill me, you can kill me. It ain't. This is hard to read because grammar. Remember, it's a yeah. quote. I don't talk like this. It ain't still gonna change that you ain't gonna get 10 grand out of it. Yeah,
0: I mean, he's got a point. It's not gonna change anything. There's no money. And if I'm dead, you're certainly not gonna get it.
1: Paul's response was quote, I guess we'll find out, huh? Like he still <laughs> Oh, you're so gangster. Despite nothing happening to David. Paul gets a call from O'Leary on September 27th, 2012, in which Paul is expecting good news. So here's how some of that went. O'Leary, sorry. Hitman O'Leary.
0: I was about to fuss at you for that. His name is Hitman, first name, (laughs) O'Leary, last name.
1: He says, Lisa's in the trunk of my car right now as I'm driving down the fucking interstate, okay? And Paul says, okay. Hitman O'Leary. What do you think of that, buddy? Paul, I think that's awesome. Despite O'Leary misspeaking and using the name Lisa. I was just sitting here going, who is Lisa? Paul is elated. Not panicking, thinking, did you get the right woman? Why are you calling her Lisa? Because her no. name is Amy. Again, with the trusting. he's just <laughs> He just assumes that everything is all good.
0: It's just ridiculous. I can't.
1: O'Leary continues the conversation with, sit tight. Richie's right now. He's pulling her teeth out. We'll get the information from her. You're not Sir, looking for information. Did you take her to the bank first? You're going to take her into the bank after you torture her? How's that going to work?
0: No teeth. Gum in the, gum in the questions. I, 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 need I need my some money. money.
1: <laughs> I need the money to fix my teeth. <laughs> oh, my Lord. I'm dead. But still, Paul doesn't question it. He's excited. O'Leary then tells him, so we'll have it. So um, we'll finish her off. So you wanted to make it look like a suicide, you said, right? Paul. Yep. Right. O'Leary. Sorry, hitman O'Leary. And then we'll whack her and cremate her. You wanted her cremated, right?
0: What? No. <laughs> you can't cremate if it's a Suicide. suicide! <laughs> Also, do you have a you have a crematory? Where are you cremating her? And are you cremating Lisa or Amy?
1: Who <laughs> is getting cremated? Uh, but he says, Paul says, "Yep, I want her cremated." Yeah, Hitman O'Leary, no problem, man. It's done. <laughs> oh Lord. Okay. After some talk about where he'll go for his first meal out, Paul continues saying, "Quote." Let her know that she's dying because I'm avenging my brother's suicide. Thinking he's home free, Paul then goes back to his cell and writes a letter to his brother David saying that Amy Weatherford has confessed to conspiring to commit the fraud herself. But and she hasn't. She, and that she couldn't take the guilt anymore. So she's killed herself. You know what? He's digging his own hole. Yes. Yes. While I'm sure you've caught on to the many gargantuan missteps in Paul's plan, he actually had much bigger problems. Of course he did. I'm surprised that you haven't said anything about this, but listeners might have. (laughs) So if you're listening to this and you already caught on, good for you. See, the con man had been conned. Dre was not really his friend.
0: I kind of figured that...
1: John (laughs) O'Leary was not really a hitman. I kind of figured that, but... And Richie was not really a thug. John O'Leary was actually John Leahy, a special agent with the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, or ATF. And Richie was actually Agent Rick Samples, also with the ATF. And... I believe that Dre was an inmate, but I think he probably cooperated with this to probably work out some plea deal with his thing.
0: Which, like, yeah, bro, get your bag. I don't. I, and I pretty much kind of figured because these Hitmen were doing things that are yeah. not normal hitman. Like again, <laughs> three bodies for a hundred thousand dollars—that's not a
1: lot. And, and despite not getting money, they did take, take Amy, Amy, and, Amy, and, and they're, they're not, not taking her taking to the bank. bank and, yeah, <laughs> and they say things like it's on like Donkey Kong. <laughs> you know that you know that they were just standing together when he said that over the phone, and they were—he was just like, "Why
0: did you say that?" He's like, "Oh, I'm just making it up."
1: Isn't that what they say? Isn't that what they say? <laughs> Isn't that how? criminals talk, talk? <laughs> I don't really mean to make fun of the agents like it, no but, but like it,
0: that's what I would do if I was on the phone yeah, trying to pretend to like, be a hitman train. I'd be like
1: yeah <laughs> it's on like Donkey Kong Donkey Kong yeah, yeah.
0: you know so, what this is really what we needed after the guy family murders because those were rough yeah
1: yeah so the day after their last phone call, Agent Leahy went to the prison to confront Paul with the evidence they collected and inform him that Amy Weatherford was alive and well.
0: Did he just have like a complete heart attack? Because I feel like he would just like keel over the and The thing die. is, is
1: that like, yeah, he wouldn't have just walked in because he never saw Leahy or er, er, yeah. Leary. He only talked to him on the phone if they had sent agent rick samples to inform it he would have been like oh shit as soon as he saw him but agently he got the pleasure if you will oh yeah like hi surprise we've talked talked so much it's nice to meet you in person so yeah i'm sure he was shocked but at the same time the man is delulu so just wait for it Uh, i'm i'm so excited for this So the prison guards then moved Paul to solitary confinement um, so they could do a search of his cell for further evidence. And to their horror, they found a written, detailed plan he wanted implemented on Amy.
0: Oh, I don't know if I want this Going to be
1: sad. Um, I simplify it because, yeah, it's gross. It's so gross. To be more exact, it was a literal checklist of binding, torture, and rape with what I will refer to as a very specific instrument to keep things remotely palatable. Gross. Yeah. Disgusting. Paul kept Hope alive, though, because Agent Leahy left out some details about the operation, and Paul, as you likely gathered and or we've expressed— isn't very good on picking up what people are laying down. Oh, my Lord. As they do with undercover cases, he had only told Paul what was necessary, meaning don't blow everyone else's cover. Yeah. Just his own. So Paul believed Dre had nothing to do with it and began trying to pass notes warning him that they were both in trouble. The note informed Dre that John O'Leary is actually an ATF agent who duped them both and said, quote, he needs to go before he can testify against us or we will be in prison for the rest of our lives. My dude. <laughs> she- <laughs> She's literally taking her headphones off. And I'm just leaving. Calling it a day. I
0: can't, I can't <laughs> do this anymore. This is ridiculous. I. Yep. That's it, folks. That's all we got for you today.
1: <laughs> the notes, of course, were intercepted. I mean, what are you going to say? You can call Paul a lot of things, but a quitter ain't one of them. Oh, yeah, he's not a quitter. <laughs> he was never going to admit defeat. Just a month after his plan to murder up to six people, because, let's see, there was Amy, there was the two associates. I mentioned the prosecutor, Mark Devereaux, Mm -hmm. his brother, David, and now now the ATF agent. So a month after that, all these plans went awry. Paul was indicted with attempting to murder a government witness and murder for hire plot. The trial for those and his wire fraud indictment took place in February of 2013. And the prosecution had a long list of witnesses that included clients from Yorkshire Financial and three of the six people on his hit list Amy Weatherford, obviously, Agent John Leahy, of course, and finally, Paul's own brother, David. Yep. David says in his American Greed interview that he chose to testify not because he was angry but because he truly thought Paul was a danger to society.
0: I agree if he was smart enough to actually do anything. Yeah. But I mean, obviously, he's not out in the world, so. Yeah.
1: And the prosecution, of course, also had what probably amounted to hours of recorded conversation between Paul and the agents posing as hitmen, because what I covered was seriously just the highlight reel. It was just a the tip of the yeah. iceberg. Despite signing a confession for the wire fraud and all the evidence pointing to guilt for the murder plot, Paul maintained he was innocent.
0: You know, I bet if they asked him, like, innocent of what, he probably couldn't even tell
1: you. No. So basically, all the defense had as a strategy was leniency. Yeah. Like, I mean, clearly, this man is
0: incompetent. Like, don't. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Clearly, he is the town fool. <laughs> I'm not
0: saying that you should go easy on this and say I'm just saying maybe we put him in a hospital. <laughs> like-
1: yeah. So they argued that Paul had been suffering from depression since his life fell apart and going all the way back to the 1990s when he got divorced. Apparently mm-hmm. he had gotten divorced in the 90s and then in 2001 he had been fired and like from that point on he just unraveled. They admitted that he was spending money irrationally and dating strippers, but claimed that it was out of his mental health declining to the point that by 2012, he was completely irrational. They weren't exactly arguing an insanity defense, but they were saying, take it easy on him because we really think he wasn't like in his right mind. In the sentencing phase, they had even written in their motion for leniency or whatever. I don't know if that's a real thing. Um, But they filed something with the court, basically, laying it all out. And they also claimed that he had been found naked and covered in feces near Cecil Field at one point that same year. But, like, there really wasn't evidence of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, they're just like, what could make him seem really crazy? Oh, shit. Like, that's probably just something that he told them, I'm guessing. I don't know. But the prosecution wasn't having it. They argued that due to the continuous escalation of his crimes, he should incur the maximum sentencing. And the jury found Paul guilty on all counts, and his sentencing hearing was scheduled months later in June of 2013. So, that gave... Paul, time to think and come up with a nice plan to present to the judge. This, oh, gosh. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about how the justice system works.
0: You do something, and then somebody else tells you what happens. You don't get to come with a presentation in a PowerPoint and say, look at my transitions, don't send me to maximum security. But for real... The audacity. I know. Like, like this man
1: has no an respect the
0: for the judge yeah. or the judicial system. He's just like, he don't care. He's trying yeah. to off federal agents and prosecutors. It's ridiculous. <laughs> like, if I had to stand in front of a judge, I'd probably pee myself. And he's just like, <laughs> let me show you my PowerPoint.
1: Yep. It's a Google Slides. This man went back to court. For his sentencing hearing, and proposed that the judge release him so he could start working and pay back all of the fraud victims. Never mind that I tried to kill six people. <laughs> that I was trying to set up. Yeah, and a murder- just ignore that. Just ignore that part. Part. it and
0: ignore the fact that nobody's ever going to hire me in the financial industry. Yes. Yeah. I'm not going to hire you at
1: McDonald's. You're going to steal the till. Needless to say, the judge said no. Yeah. <laughs> Now, before I give you what he was sentenced to, I want to break down just how ridiculously deep of a hole he had dug for himself into by wanting to dig other holes, so to speak. (laughs) A lot of digging. If he had been convicted of only the conspiracy and wire fraud, he likely would have gone to a white collar minimum security facility for a minimal amount of years. Yeah, I mean... The prosecutors themselves said that in an interview. He had no prior history. He had been a legit financial advisor before that. Yeah. This was his only crime. So, I mean, he would have done time, but it wouldn't have been that much. Yeah. Apparently, the maximum for those crimes can be up to 20 years, but they were like, he wouldn't have gotten that. Yeah, no. Because he decided to conduct what may be the dumbest murder for hire plot I've ever heard, he was sentenced to 30 years. There you go. There you go. And he's older. So in 2013, he would have been around 60 years old. Yeah. Of course, it didn't end there. The last appeal I found was filed in the 11th Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals in 2015, Oral arguments were given and the matter reviewed by circuit judges Martin and Anderson, as well as District Judge Moreno. And in it, Paul argued that the district court abused its discretion by denying his motion for a mistrial when the prosecution elicited answers from David Cruz during testimony that may have led the jury to believe that the defense team, particularly one defense attorney, knew that Paul was planning to kill Amy, but they did nothing about it. But... But... (laughs) But... but, Right. But... So if that was actually the case, like, okay. Yeah, but But, Amy was
0: never in any real
1: danger. Correct. But the defense made no objection at the time, and then upon cross-examination, the defense attorney actually extensively questioned David on those facts, eliciting the same answers. Amy had also testified on being notified about the plot and referred to one of the defense attorneys as, quote, a wonderful gentleman, indicating he was, in fact, not a monster who kept that information to himself. Called and said, hey, we know this is happening, but... It was implied... That and it was because David, when David had the issue of yeah. them coming after the money, he did call. He didn't know who to call, so he yeah. called the defense attorneys and said, "Hey, this is what my brother's doing. I believe from what I gathered in, yeah. the, in the appeal, but they just didn't explicitly say. say I said to her, the defense attorney is who. Like, yeah,
0: just- it was
1: implied that they did the right thing."
0: But, like, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because she was never actually going to be killed by anybody. Yeah.
1: Well, Paul's next argument was that testimony on the impact of victims' losses was irrelevant. The money that people lost when you fraudulently took it from them is irrelevant to your fraud charges. Sir? You didn't. Um, you didn't defraud a Taco Bell, you know.
0: You didn't defraud. Yeah, like three hundred dollars. You defrauded <laughs> hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars. You didn't like. It do is magic,
1: magic tricks in the park. Yeah, where it is. People put down a dollar and and then yeah, it disappears. <laughs> it is very, very, very relative. Um. Well. I'll get on a little bit of that, but generally speaking, the appellate court found that their statements were were relevant, but they did note that they found the extent to which the prosecution went a bit much, but nevertheless, they found it harmless Yeah, because there was enough other actual physical evidence that like, there you go. There was no question as to what he was doing with the money and that it was fraudulent. Now, finally, Paul argued that the district court erroneously applied the sophisticated means enhancement during sentencing. What is that, you ask? According to federal criminal attorney Ann Fitz, it is a guideline that, quote, seeks to address cases where the defendant employed complex, intricate, or sophisticated means to carry out the fraudulent scheme. So basically, it's a sentencing guideline that judges use when the evidence has shown that the defendant has gone to great lengths to commit the fraud. Yeah, like so that they can justify a harsher sentence. It's, just, yeah, it's not like he
0: thought about it for two days and was like, yeah, that would work. He like in depth thought about it. It's very premeditated and continuous. Yes. And, and it wasn't a temporary lapse in judgment. It was a continual lapse in judgment kind of thing. Yes. That makes
1: sense to me. So the appellate court said Paul failed to explain away his decision to funnel the money through an equity trust, which is sophisticated means. And the district court expressly stated that the sentencing handed down would have been the same, even if some of those guidelines within that enhancement Mm -hmm. were found to be erroneous. So they basically said, like, we know some of these don't apply. But some of them do. So, like, just for future appellate purposes, we're expressly stating, like, this is our decision either way. We know that some of these don't apply. We don't care. This is the sentence. So the appellate judges said nope and affirmed Paul's sentencing. Now, I found this interesting. Though all the judges concurred on the decision... Judge Martin had a difference of opinion on the opinion, so to speak. He wrote at length about believing that the district court did, in fact, abuse its discretion when it allowed the victims of fraud to testify. Okay. However, he acknowledges that it was harmless due to the overwhelming evidence of Paul's guilt. I kind of understand what he's saying. I do, too. and But I just found it interesting because I always find it fascinating when people in, in general, whether we're talking a court case or, you know, elsewhere, can come to an agreement on the outcome of something, but for different reasons. Yeah. So I love reading opinions, like court mm-hmm. opinions like that. Well,
0: I think maybe we should explain why why that makes sense to us because people may be like, well, they were victims. Why it can't they testify? It just doesn't seem fair. Yeah. The reason that it strikes me as weird, and I'm not going to try and explain hearsay rules, but yeah. typically you can't go on the stand and like imply that the person is guilty. You, you're basically just going up there and saying, this is what happened to me. And by putting victims yes. in that position, you're putting them in a spot to, to commit, Not perjury, but hearsay on the stand.
1: Yes. Um,
0: And hearsay is so complicated. I don't take that as, like, the definition.
1: That and I think what their focus was is the whole, like, probative value thing where you don't want to put people on the stand or, like, and that's where he's saying, like, or... No, he didn't say that. That judge didn't say that. But the other two judges felt like it was okay to p- have victims testify, but they had a lot of victims testify. Mm-hmm. And they yeah. could have just had a couple because when you give the jury that overwhelming, overwhelming. amount of emotional mm-hmm. weight, weight that can skew their opinions. Yeah. I mean, because no matter how unbiased we try to be we're still human and so you know so on one hand maybe they shouldn't have done it on the other hand it it doesn't matter either way he was going to be found guilty so the only harm involved is that it kind of maybe took up more of the court's time but it is this whole thing is ridiculous and taking up the court's time so true to end things off based on my search through the u.s department of justice site which I have linked in the show notes. Uh, Paul is currently still incarcerated in a low-security federal institution in Beaumont, Texas. I'm guessing that initially he wasn't probably in a low-security place, but now he's 70. Yeah, you're not going to be climbing any walls. Yeah. All I can say is I hope Amy is doing well and that all of the victims of his fraud have either recovered or. At least found some way to try and recoup some of what they lost, whether that's through the kindness of others or, you know, for those that were a little bit younger and not so close to retirement. Hopefully they were able to find ways to make some of that up if possible, because that's terrible. I, yeah. I I mean, that can
0: you not imagine that that like financial burden of that being, oh, it's horrible. And that's why, like, that's why your investments need to be insured, like, through,
1: yeah, you know, be very careful. And as a uh, little PSA, you know, I love my PSAs. Yeah. I highly, I personally, like working in the legal field, I personally recommend that if you are going to go with a financial advisor, to handle mm-hmm. your investments, that you actually find a fiduciary, like specifically yeah. who is is can be classified as a fiduciary. If you don't know what that is, Google it. Look up the difference because there are a lot of financial legitimate, there are legitimate businesses. There are a lot of financial mm-hmm. institutions that – You know, they are advisors, but they're also salespeople. Like, they're not necessarily, they do a good job so that they can be successful, but a fiduciary is absolutely required, basically required by law to work in their client's best interest. Not in the best interest of themselves and their paycheck, not in the best interest of their company, but in the best interest of you, their client. So, yes. There you go. Invest wisely. Yes.
0: And if you made it all the way to the end of this insanely stupid case, leave us a little money emoji. I feel like we've done that before, maybe. We have, I think, but that's okay. What else are you going to do? There's no stupid emoji. (laughs) You could leave a brain because he needs one. Yeah. Donate them.
1: (laughs) Is there a brain?
0: I'm sure there's a brain. Hold on, I'll that's check. Fine. Yeah, there's a brain. I would Let's leave a brain. All right. He needs a brain. Scarecrow needs a brain. Yep. Wow. Well, thank you all for right. bringing this up. It was uh, a pretty fun one, actually. Yeah. Because it was hilarious. And um, that's all I've got. That's all I've got. Thanks for listening, everybody. Absolutely. Until we see you next Thursday.
1: Till next time. Bye. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening, guys. Find us on Instagram and TikTok at Burden of Proof Pod and email us at burdenofproofpod at gmail.com.